When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the postgame Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. I know some people uh, didn't love the sound quality the past two pods, so we're home. We came home, and we're doing it on Zoom, just like the normal weekly pods. But we are here to discuss Ohio State's win over Tulsa. We can't get to everything. It'd be a nine-hour pod. I'd like to keep it to three primary to- topics, and we'll, of course, dance around in some other places. Uh, 41-20 win. I mostly want to talk about first, Trevion Henderson, second, C.J. Stroud, Third, the demotion of Kerry Combs from play caller and the defense. But I would like to start off right away quickly, Stephen, with the idea that Chris Olave did not catch a pass in this game, which I did not realize until you said so after the game. He had four targets, no catches. Ten targets for Garrett Wilson. He caught six. Olave had the second most targets with four. Jack Smith, the Jigba, three targets, two catches. Jeremy Ruckert, two targets, two catches. Nobody else had more than one target. Only 15 completions for C.J. Stroud. And I know they played a 3-3-5 defense, and they tried to take away the big play, and they made you, they hit you underneath. And, yes, he did have a 50-yard completion that was wiped out by a Paris Johnson penalty on, on the offensive line. That's not Chris Olave's fault. But on some level, Stephen, I, I kind of don't care what kind of defense you're playing or how many rushing yards your running back has. It feels like kind of a failure if Chris Olave doesn't have a catch. Yeah, I can't wait to rewatch this game because just our first, obviously, first live watch, it didn't feel like Chris Olave was getting open the way that Chris Olave typically gets open in any of the years that we've watched him. So that plays a role. The 3-5 plays a role. But it's the first time since the Michigan State game in 2019 that he hasn't had a catch. And I remember grilling him that that, that Tuesday when we got him a little about not having a catch and not necessarily getting open the way he should have. And then he responded with the Northwestern game by going crazy. So that's maybe the expectation for him. But, yeah, off first glance, I didn't feel like he was a part of this game at all. I'll, the only other time I, I even noticed him out there is when he dropped the pass from C.J. Stroud. And there was the long completion over the top that got pulled back because of the Paris Johnson. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought this was a reflection somewhat of – Ohio State emphasizing a more power running game and de-emphasizing the, what they call the long handoffs, the, the yeah. horizontal stuff that it counts as the run game, getting those bubble screens and other screens out to, to Chris Olave. De-emphasizing that takes away those kind of baseline three, four catches that those guys might have in, a, in any other game. I mean, this happens with the Browns and has happened in the past where it's like Odell Beckham doesn't have a catch in the first quarter or whatever. And then they'll just like throw him one of those just so he can have a catch so he can get his hands on the football and feel involved. And I think Chris Olave is like at that point where he deserves that. 
It's like, well, we're trying to do this, we're trying to do that, but like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get the best receiver in college football a catch. We're just going to get up, not for statistical sake, but just to make sure he feels involved. So, you know, whatever. They ran for a lot of yards. And when you're going to, so the 41 rushing attempts combined, 25 passes. So that's quite a difference. So you only threw 25 passes. But I don't care if you threw only three passes. One of them should be a completion of Chris Olave. It's not the end of the world, but – and it's one of those things that got a lot of mouths to feed, and if Trayvon Henderson is going to go nuts, so be it. Again, 10 targets for Garrett Wilson. It just felt out of whack. Let's move on. Trayvon Henderson saved them. Nathan, do you think there's any chance they could have lost this game if Trayvon Henderson was at Georgia and they were playing – Master Teague and Mayan Williams in this game? It's an interesting question because the door was open on those those runs that Trevor Henderson had. He was getting into the second level before the special stuff happened. So I think Master Teague and or Mayan Williams would have had big gains on some of those same runs anyway. They just may not have hit the home run the way that he did. Um, but it's like 14 points off the board. So uh, I don't know. I think they, w- they needed some kind of explosion. They weren't getting an explosion last week. Uh, they weren't getting it in the passing game today. They needed something to kind of blow things open, and he can do that in a way that those other guys cannot as consistently. Now, there's a chance. I mean, they, you know, they, he definitely hit a 48-yard TD run and a 52-yard TD run. There was one of the runs where he made the cut inside the safety at the second level, and in the press box I said to you guys, would the other running backs have scored on that? And we all agreed no that there was a gigantic hole, wide zone. There's all kinds of room. But we think Master Teague or Mayan Williams would have been tackled for like a 15 or 20-yard gain and not taken it to the house. Maybe that's presumptive. Maybe they would have. Who knows? But I do think, Stephen, they needed this offensively because the guy ran for 270 yards on – no, 277 on 24 carries, three touchdowns, just like an unbelievable individual game. But I think they also need like the boost. He's the guy who gives you the boost. You know, if you if you lined up the guys right now or of who's giving you a boost, who's uplifting this team? Again, I think it I think we put two tre- two true freshmen at the top of that list. Trevion Henderson is one and Denzel Burke on defense is two, but they do not have guys necessarily doing that with sacks, which can really lift a team. We talked about before how receivers have to get help doing this. Trevion Henderson is, is a little bit of the energy guy for this team because when you see a guy doing what he does, how can that not give you a lift? I think the difference between Trevion Henderson and Denzel Burke, that's, yeah, that's perfect. It's those two, is that as good as Denzel Burke is, it can only go but so far as taking a side of a field away is what he's trying to do. With Trevion Henderson, it's giving this offensive reason to not have to throw the ball with C.J. Stroud 40 times again or whoever the quarterback is. They don't have to ever be in a situation where they have to throw it 54 times anymore because as we just saw with Trevion today, all he needs is the smallest little crack and he can turn it into something. Now, it's not going to be 277 yards every single weekend, but it can easily be 150-plus every single weekend. Can I offer – can I ask a question? Would they have beaten Oregon if they had made Trevion Henderson the number one tailback a week earlier? No, because that's not um, – I, I get what you're getting no? at, but that's not the – I don't think it's the same. The holes were literally not there. And yeah. so I think 
And that I, this situation, he had an opportunity to turn something that the, the line may be blocked for six and he turned it into 52. The line wasn't even blocking for two last week. So that's less on what the running back situation was doing and more on what the offensive line was not doing last week. I mean, it wasn't the, the, they weren't giving the ball to any of the, the running backs that much against Oregon. Mine was I think had 14 carries. Trevon Henderson had 12. Maybe, what if, what if Trevion Henderson had 22 and Mayan Williams had two? They just Mayan Williams did not play today. Mayan yeah. Williams got 14 carries for 77 yards last week in their biggest game of the year, and they thought so much of it, they benched him. He didn't take a snap today. So the idea that we're going to immediately say no to, hey, the phenomenal freshman that you gave 12 carries to last week, you don't think it might have helped you? in a one-score game to play him more last week. I'm not, I'm not saying he would have run for 277, but they decided Mayan Williams is not worthy of playing the week after he was the starting tailback for the second straight week. I don't know. I'm not saying they would have beat Oregon. I'm saying they would have at least increased their chances of trying to. That's, I think that's, I guess, probably a fair way to look at it. I just still think that last week um... – we saw what Trevor Henderson did with, a, a, you know, what you ever said, a dozen carries against Oregon. Um, I, it's not like I saw openings there that weren't taken. I think there were bigger problems there. I think the, the, the defensive, the offensive line just didn't win that matchup. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. I also thought this, and I, and I did at my halftime thoughts when I, you know, I do a little halftime thoughts. I'm trying to look up the stats here. Trevor Henderson did not set the world on fire in the first half. No. He was fine. It, it, it was he gradual. Was he was uh, in the first half. Let's see. Am I looking at the right thing? No, I don't think I am. Because you know what I think happened? I think he got better as the game went on because they kept giving him the ball. And they stopped rotating backs every, every series. So maybe if they would have done that last week and just decided, hey, you know who we're going to play? The best running back. You know how often we're going to play him? All the time. I think you had a chance to get that because you know what happened. I'm, I am talking myself into this more. You know what happened in the second half last week? Ryan Day stopped believing in the run game. Yeah. You know yeah. who also? Yeah. Noah Sewell hits Mayan Williams in the hole on fourth and two and tackles him. You don't think Trayvon Henderson might break that tackle? You know what good running backs do sometimes? Break the tackles of good linebackers in the hole in a one-on-one matchup. I'm calling it. I think they beat him last week if they played Trevor Henderson. So congratulations to Ohio State. Congratulations on getting to the five-star running back in week three because we spent a lot of time in the offseason. When are you going to get to him? How are they going to get to him? They might have gotten to him a week late. I'm not I, I saying what, for sure, but he's a difference maker, man. I, I see what you're trying to say. I still don't know that I saw anything – from Trevor Henderson yet that makes me think he breaks that tackle in some of the way. That wasn't what he was like explosive with tonight. Here's he, what I agree with. He spins off tackles. He spins off tackles in the hole. He gets yeah, he tough does. yards on his own. I agree with this. I don't, I don't know if they win, but it's interesting uh, with him. All it took was one big run and he was off. Cause he was, I think I texted him. I was like, Travion's been okay. He hasn't been great, but he's been Okay. I think he broke one. It wasn't even a 52-yarder. He just broke one for like maybe 14, 15 yards or something like that, and then he was off. So if you're going to tell me that he would have maybe broken one of those bad plays where it wasn't a hole, but he created one anyway, and he went and got seven or eight yards, and now he's rolling, I could see that argument because that's all that happened today. It's one big run, and he was out of here, and they couldn't slow him down anymore. 
He had 14 carries for 70 yards in the first half. He ran for mm-hmm. 207 yards in the second half. That's all I'm saying. Nathan, is it – so I will give Ohio State some credit for getting to him in week three because, we, again, we didn't know when they were going to get to him. And by get to him, I mean finally decide he's the starting running back. What are we doing? And by the way, I'm not like – I'm not going to make fun of anybody, but like if you were on – like if you, at the beginning of the year, if you got on the Mayan Williams bus or the Master Teague bus – that's fine. We're wrong all the time. We've been wrong on every game pick. I hope we're not losing your bank account. If you were on the Master Teague or, or Mayan Williams bus beginning of the year, you were kidding yourself. Because, and it blows my mind. And I got in a tiny little you know, thing on Twitter with people today when I said the first defensive adjustment for Ohio State was to start its best tailback. And people were like, whoa, why is she the best tailback? What about Mayan Williams? It's like, all you guys care about is recruiting rankings and getting five stars, and then we're going to sit around and what? We're, we're going to pretend that the three-star recruits are better than the five-star? Like, why would we ever do that? I, I, I'm, not here, like, I'm not here to offend anybody. Do you want a whole team of Ohio State players that you flip from Iowa State? Is that how you build a champion? Is that what you want? It's a nice story. It's not how you win, man. So, like, welcome to reality. Today was reality day. It's Trayvon Henderson Day. We knew we were going to get here. I'm sorry that your buses broke down on the side of the road. Guess what? Plenty of room on the Trevion bus. We don't hold grudges. Come on board, friends. Come on. This is it now. This it is- moves pretty fast, though. <laughs> yeah, you better get yeah, on. You better hold on up. tight. Yeah. You get, guess what you get? Three years of this. You know what he's going to look like in 2023? Do you know what he's going to look does, like? As long as he doesn't break down. You yes. know what he's going to look like? I mean, it's okay. College run, I mean, they're fine. It's not like college running. Yeah. You know what he's going to look like? For real? You ready for this? Let's go. It's time. It's here. Nathan, is it to Ohio State's credit, or is it a little bit weird that Mayan Williams was the starting running back the first two weeks of the year, and by the third week they didn't play him? Ryan Day said he missed a day of practice with a little bit of an illness during the week, and he just said the other guys practiced better. Seven Banks has been in this situation. They've, I, I don't know if there's other guys, but it's like there's been a little bit of some – Ryan Watts went from starting in week one to literally not playing on defense in week two or three. There's been some weird stuff so far this year with guys being a very important part of the game plan to no part of the game plan. And I guess I, I, guess I probably should like that because a lot of times we're like, why aren't they changing things? This isn't good enough. So good for changing. But, man, it's kind of some extremes with how guys are used from week to week. I remember back, I think it was a Big Ten media day, Ryan Day was asked about running back usage, and he said, you know, we think we can probably play as many as three. If you get beyond three, it gets a little bit complicated. And they went beyond three in the first week. I mean, Marcus Crowley was even getting carries in that game. So they went to four in the first week against Minnesota, and it did look a little bit weird. They went back to last week, though. Last week, it seemed like there was a commitment to only using two. And I assume it's Tony Alford's call, which two to Absolutely. use. That was an and, absolute decision. And, yeah. and Tony Alford is as big of a Mayan Williams defender that has been out there, and at least publicly. And I think it was his decision today to only play Teague and, and Henderson. So I, 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 it, I think it may just be I – I don't think the coaching staff is stupid. I think they knew that where they were going to get to eventually with Henderson. I think it was just a matter of whatever they needed to see to trust what they did today, whether that was what they saw from him and probably in, in combination with what they saw from these other guys. 
yeah, maybe Mayan Williams being a little bit ill or whatever it was this week further opened that door to just finally shove this through and make this the decision. I thought you made a good point, though, when we were – I can't remember where post game we were talking about how sometimes when Master T gets, like, benched or uh, – Ignored it, for a whole game? Well, even, even last year when he was, like – when he and, and Trey Sermon were, were splitting the carries to start the year – and Ryan Day came in and was kind of like, eh, what was that? Like, that wasn't that great. And then the next week, he kind of came out with some force. He seems like a guy who maybe needs that motivation a little bit. And so – but that wasn't the story today, obviously. I, mean, I really think there's a very small differential. I'm sorry, again, to all the Mayan defenders. I feel like there's a small differential at the end of the day in the talent between Mayan Williams and Master Teague. I think there's a huge difference in the talent between where those guys are and where Trey Van Harrison's going to be, let alone where he is now. And I think by we the way, this. Just, go, just real quick, Stephen. No, go ahead. Master Cheek had 14 carries today. Master yep. Cheek had a real role. They, they yep. ran the ball 40 times with running backs. You can't give Trevion Henderson 40 carries. This, this should be it. Trevion Henderson's the guy, and then he can't play every single snap and get every single carry. So there is room, real room, for a second running back. Let's just make it very clear, he's the second running back. It's not a split. So I actually think this is a pretty good blueprint for how this can work going forward. Go ahead, Stephen. We predicted this in the summer. It's eventually going to be Travion Henderson's world, and then every single week's going to be a fight to see who was his spellback. Last week, I mean, this, this is the first world week we got to really see it because Travion's the starter. But for all intents and purposes, had Travion gotten going last week, Maya Williams just would have been his spellback because he won the week. This week, Master Teague won the week, so he gets to be the spellback. We'll see who wins the week next week. between my, And maybe Marcus Crowley gets in there too. But the point of the matter is everybody not named Travion Henderson is fighting to be the spellback every week. And that might be a different person every week because it doesn't really matter because you're asking them to carry the ball 10 times because this kid is tired. And that's not a bad idea, actually, Nathan. I, Steven, you make a very good point. And again, we talked about this. There's the master Mayan battle mm -hmm. to eventually be the backup to Travion. That clearly is where we are. But we might see a situation where this week, Master got 14 carries and Mayan got none. And then if Mayan has a better week of practice next week, Mayan might get 10 carries and Master gets none because there's not room for a third back. And I actually think it does make more sense to say Trivion's the starter, he gets starter carries. We're going to give him a break with the backup back, but we're not going to try to play three because our best bet is to have the backup back get going a little bit too. Mm -hmm. I would rather it be... If it's going to be Trevion 20-plus each week, I'd rather there be one guy who gets 10 to 12 behind him rather than two guys who each get six behind him in a game. And if you just let those let Master and Mayan go at it every week, and if you finish third, you don't play at all. That's what happened last week. Master was third, didn't play. This week, Mayan's third, didn't play. It seems weird to me, except it might be actually the exact perfect thing that we want, and it might make sense, Nathan. Yeah. I think it, it just as an athlete, I got to imagine it helps you prepare yourself mentally better to know that that's your role. Even if it's a secondary role, you know, that's your role and you can go out and own that in a different way. So um, it worked today. I know I, that's the other thing. I think this Ohio state team is in a place where it needs to find something that works and then repeat it. Agreed. That's a very good point. That is a good way to look at it. So let's, it would be nice to have them do the same thing with the running game next week and, and have it look something like this. It's here. He's special. Anybody who I was going to pretend that he's not, he is. And you always get to special. And that, it, that they got to it in week three in the end is pretty darn good.
It just might have made a difference had they gotten to it in week two. All right, we're going to take a quick break on Buckeye Talk. Again, it's the post-game show from Ohio State's win over Tulsa. You guys know that because you just watched it and now you're listening to us. 41-20, Ohio State. we got to talk about C.J. Stroud. We will continue to talk about this quarterback situation all week, so we don't need to answer everything about C.J. Stroud and the quarterback situation right now, but we do need to talk about it, and we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Steven, watching the end of Penn State-Auburn as we record this. Penn State just got a defensive score. Penn State's pretty good. John Dotson, big game. I think that might be Joey Porter doing it. The whiteouts going nuts. Um, Iowa struggled a little bit with Kent State today. I think Penn State's pretty good. That's going to be a game. Penn State's got a couple guys. That's going to be a game. And who's going to start a quarterback for Ohio State in it? It might not be fair, but it's where we are. I think we have to talk about whether C.J. Stroud is the right guy for this. We have to talk about how Ryan Day might get to a different solution here. The three of us and Bill Landis had like a 15-minute podcast on the field on Ohio Stadium after we left interviews. and the we just podcast. It's the just was, Buckeye talk. It was for nobody, and it's my own fault. And again, why do we talk for free? I don't even, I, I tell my family, why, why are we talking for free? We should make a YouTube channel. Like everything is monetized. So it's Landis's fault. We like talking to him. The four of us had a really good conversation. I think this quarterback situation is potentially complicated, Nathan. Reason one is so CJ Stroud's shoulder is not right. He said it hurts. He's playing through it. Ryan Day basically said, hey, you know, guys are hurt. You got to play through stuff, but he's not 100% and everybody knows it. And the second thing is, it's normal to play the backup quarterback, especially in blowouts. It would be very normal. We will expect and should expect them to play a second quarterback against Akron next week because either one or two things is going to happen. Either they're not going to be blowing out Akron, and then you need to play the second quarterback because something's wrong, or they are going to be blowing out Akron, and then you play the second quarterback. But the issue is, what if the second quarterback is awesome? And it's probably Kyle McCord who will be coming in because we don't know. By the way, I am 100% asking about Quinn Ewers on Tuesday. We don't know anything about how much he practices. We don't know anything about how he's coming along learning the playbook. For some reason, we have allowed Ohio State to welcome the number one recruit in the country to Columbus a year early in, a, in an amateurism-defining moment of name, image, and likeness. And Ohio State doesn't want to talk about it because it's complicated and it's kind of weird to ask about the fourth string quarterback. And for a couple of weeks, we've let that we've gone along with that. And so at the moment, we have no idea what Quinn Ewers is doing. Does he go to practice? Does he run the scout team? Does he get any reps? Does he know the playbook? Is his arm okay since he like missed the last week of preseason camp? We have let them off the hook. We're letting them off the hook with the fact that they don't produce a depth chart, which a bunch of teams in the country don't do, but a lot of other people are getting a lot more crap about it than Ohio State is, and we've let them off the hook for this. So, like, I'm not letting anybody up. Like, no more getting – Nathan, you can pre-write the post right now. Maybe you'll ask it. Maybe Steven will ask it. And if not, I'll ask it if nobody asks it. Tuesday, we're going to find out – we're at least going to ask what's up with Quinn Ewers, the most famous – football recruit in the last five years who we've let Ohio State ignore because it's a little uncomfortable to talk about it. He's, oh, makes us not fair. Let's be big boys. 
Ohio State, you can be big boys about it. It's complicated because what if the backup quarterback is great? And then it's like, well, then you just play him. It's like, well, is Ryan Day there? Does Ryan Day want to be at that point? But as we said, as I said, what if you put Kyle McCord in, say Ohio State's beating Akron 28-3 to at halftime, and they put in Kyle McCord and he throws five touchdowns in the second half. Then what? How complicated do you think this quarterback reality is right now, and how do you think Ryan Day should handle it, Nathan? I mean, I guess it, complicated depends on your perspective. It might be very complicated for C.J. Stroud, um, but I advocated last week at the 20, you know, Seven days ago right now, I was advocating for Kyle McCord to get, like, a series. Get the, he gets the first series. I'm going to interrupt you. You have advocated for that. That is what – that would be a normal thing. You know what? We've had a quarterback competition. We're giving the guy who finished second a series in the second quarter, and we're announcing it now. And it shouldn't be a big deal because we're announcing it. Do you think that it would not be a big deal? But, like, let's say Kyle McCord comes in and rips three throws. Is it not a big deal? Or does it become a big deal, even if you handle it like you want Ryan Day to handle it? I think, again, to me, it's just about having the best quarterback for your team in November. That's It's not about – he said this week, when he was talking about the defensive coordinator, we can't care about feelings. We don't have time to worry about feelings. And we'll get to feelings later when we talk about the defensive coordinator. But I think you have to approach this the same way. I know this is 17, 18, 19-year-old kids, whatever. I guess none of them are 17. You know what I'm saying. 18, 19, 20-year-old kids players, men, young men, but like you brought in numerous quarterbacks for a reason. And I think if the thing that you're worried the most about is that if the guy you already picked would not look as good as the guy that you picked over him, I don't understand that because then all you'd have to do is just play the other guy. Like, I mean, I, 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 I don't see where the complication is. I don't see it. Cause I will I say is- if, if, if McCord or Ewers or Miller comes in and is not good, then yeah. it's really uncomplicated because you say, see, if you yeah. guys think C.J. Stroud's not great, look how much better he is than these guys. I get they're all big-time recruits. C.J. Stroud is clearly the best guy. If you play somebody else and they're not that good, it helps C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and, but just to be clear, I mean, that's not, that's not your motivation for doing it. It's just one of no. the, the potential side effects but, from but a I'm PR saying, standpoint. It's, but, it's, the, but, the, but the, comp, the only complicating factor – is your backup quarterback being better than your starting quarterback? And, and to me, if, you, if we get to the point where he is clearly avoiding playing the backup quarterback, especially when the starter's kind of injured, the only reason, the only reason, there's not a reason to not play the number two quarterback because you're worried he's going to be bad. There's not a reason. The, if he doesn't play him, it's because he's worried they're going to be good. That was going to be my exact point. It's like, take away the name, Tate Martha. That's not the point. It's the stat line. If, he, if Kyle comes out there and he's 10 for 10, 121 yards and a touchdown and, like, all his points, if his throws are on point, he's ripping stuff, people are going to go, ooh. Ooh. But, again, I, I, what is the downside there? Because then Ryan Day gets to say, oh, you know what? I developed the Big Ten Freshman of the Week for two weeks, and then uh, it actually turns out I had developed even a better guy, and we just turned it over to him. So, so here's, but here's the downside. The downside is that Ryan Day watched these quarterbacks play in practice. For nine months. For nine months, and he picked a guy. Mm-hmm. And, and he has to be willing to change his mind based on a half of play, if that happens. 
happens if McCord goes nuts. You have to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, this is outweighing. Not that you're ignoring it. It's outweighing everything I saw in the spring and everything I saw in August. And we're going to start playing this other guy. Because if you, if you keep saying, no, 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 no. I'm going off April and August. But I just showed you Kyle McCord going 10 for 10 for 121. Then we, and, and this matters, then it's a thing. Because then it looks to the world like Kyle McCord should play. And, mm-hmm. and to Ryan Day, it's like, no, C.J. Stroud should still play. And then it gets complicated because fans are going to be talking about it. We're going to be asking about it. C.J. Stroud admitted after the game tonight, you could tell he's hearing stuff and reading stuff. And it's one of those things. It might be this. It might be us. People might be saying, man, on Buckeye Talk, Doug after the game was like, I don't know about C.J. Stroud. And somebody might have told C.J. Stroud that. We can't pretend that's not might not. Or somebody else. He said, I know people are saying this, the media or whatever. Like he acknowledged people talking about whether he played well or not. I didn't love that. I loved him after Minnesota and the way he talked about processing things and getting better in the second half. I didn't love sort of what I was hearing from him tonight because, listen, man, it's like you threw for 44 at Oregon. Stuff happens, right? You're a second-year guy. This is Ohio State, right? I mean, people criticize everybody all the time. We can pretend. I I understand that you're a young guy, but, like, it kind of comes with the territory. And that he's he, the quarterback so carry Combs, basically, where it's like people have loved him since yeah. the moment he signed. And, loved him. And I literally. That, and now for the last three, it's, it's not this, it's not as, I'm, what, what, the point is people loved him and then he got on the field and it wasn't everything they thought it would be. Right. And so now if he's 19 years old, it feels like everybody's turning on you and you haven't even had a chance to fully develop. But we didn't You're right. Said, he probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Go ahead. But, I mean, like, we're going to turn on him now. Like, he played worse today than he did against Oregon. If he didn't like what he heard after Oregon, this is going to be worse, by the way, this yeah. week. If you're getting the message yeah. to C.J. Stroud, I have less confidence in him now than I did last week. And guess what? I'm not going to apologize for that because I'm here on behalf of the fans who love this program who want the best players to be on the field to give Ohio State the best chance to win. And so this is the deal, but I, I, I didn't love it. It's understandable but I don't know, man, Nathan, like, I, I don't know. I feel like we just are getting more and more to the place where, like, you've got to see what somebody else looks like. And it's probably Kyle. We have to find out where Quinn is. It just doesn't feel like Jack is as involved in any of this stuff. Maybe that's wrong, but he's always sort of the fourth guy to me. I think we're at that point. He's missed enough throws. He's working that shoulder enough. Chris Olave didn't catch a pass today. It's not his fault, but it's the reality. And like, and by the way, I do feel like there, like a discussion developed last week that was like the sort of the people who questioned CJ Stroud and the people who thought CJ Stroud played well. And I did think sometimes it's like nobody was saying CJ Stroud should be benched or that they lost because of him. I, I don't think I didn't see anybody saying that, but it was like, I don't know. Was that good enough? And so I do think it was. You know, so maybe the side of the questioning him got overstated. I never said he should be benched. I said I'd think about other quarterbacks, though, to at least get a look. So I don't know, Nathan. It just uh, do you do you you make a good point. What's complicated about oh the backups better play the backup? But do you do you agree that it could be messy because we can't pretend 
what the media and the fans think doesn't have some impact because the starting quarterback just stood up there after the Tulsa game tonight and said, I know people were saying that they didn't think I was good. Well, we talked earlier this week. After we talked to Ryan Day on Tuesday, we came on this pod and talked about how there was clearly messaging that was going on a little bit. That we thought that Ryan Day was communicating to C.J. Stroud through us. I'm sure he communicates it to him directly. But, I mean, that there was some of that public trumping up of, of what he had done. Again, not that he was awful. It wasn't like he had to, like, lie to us and tell us he was great. He played pretty well. But there are definitely still some, some holes there. And I think now what, is, what gets you into a – I do also feel a little bit for C.J. Stroud because you do have a lot on your shoulders as Ohio State's quarterback. That, that's part of it, but you do. And now you just lost for things that weren't really directly related to the offense, but it contributed. And then, and you also maybe have a bum shoulder. So a lot of things are suddenly like converging down on him. So I give him some, I, I feel for him there. But my point has always been, Ryan Day does not have an obligation to CJ Stroud to like lift him up, really. He has to encourage him. He has to be on his side, but he's not here to prop him up. Randy has an obligation, or maybe there, maybe he has like a, a small, small, small obligation to that. His two main obligations are to make this def, this the quarterback play as good as it can be, regardless of who that is, for 2021, and to set this team up to have the best quarterback for 2022. And so I think just rolling with C.J. Stroud, um, regardless, is not – I don't see that as the best plan to get you there. And then these two weeks seemed like – low well they seemed like low risk uh, opportunities to do what I talked about just give just say publicly say it Tuesday say it Thursday whenever you know what we're going to give common cord one series to start this at the start of the second quarter we just want him to run a series to see what we've got there we it was a close competition CJ's our starter CJ's going to start the next game as far as we know but we're giving Kyle this chance and we've told CJ that and he understands why because he's a professional or whatever the equivalent is of for college kids now so, Stephen, uh, one of the things – so, DJ Uyunglele, Clemson's offense blows. Mm-hmm. Clemson can't score on anybody. As mm-hmm. someone said, I saw it was like, hey, Georgia got a lot of credit for shutting Clemson down in that opener, and then Clemson scores 14 on Georgia Tech, and it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't Georgia's defense as much as it was the fact that Clemson's offense stinks. But I, I don't live in Clemson. Is Cle- Clemson's a town? The Clemson, town is South Clemson? Carolina. Yeah. Clemson is the town. Purdue, Nathan, is Purdue a town? No, you don't live Purdue's. in the town. Ta- you didn't live in the town of Purdue. No, most people don't. Most people think it's like an East Coast school. I think because it's not named after the place it's from. It's like Duke. People don't really. A lot of people don't really know where Duke was, except if it became a basketball thing. Duke is not in the town of Duke, North Carolina. No, it's in Durham. Rutgers is not in the town of Rutgers. So Purdue's I didn't know John Purdue. Is for, for real, it's John Purdue. It's not even like Bartholomew Purdue. <laughs> no, nah, the, boost, the Booster Come Club on. is the John Purdue Club. How many stories did we all read this week about Purdue's drum won't fit in the tunnel? A <laughs> hundred? Purdue's drum won't fit in the tunnel. They're going to put it in the parking lot. My I, wife, my <laughs> wife, we met working at the, the paper in, in West Lafayette, Lafayette, and she once had to write a story about how it was like it was supposed to be like a tongue-in-cheek investigative piece about how uh, the Purdue world's biggest drum was actually not that big. Did she get death threats? Oh, people lost their minds. <laughs> people lost their minds. There was like a there was like a parody Twitter account of her. I felt like she really achieved like some some infamy with that that I was jealous of. 
She like I've, filed an open records request and then Purdue rejected it, saying that it was like trade secrets. How what the actual dimensions of the drum were? It was hysterical. Because I mean, it's like four times the size of a normal bass drum. I mean, yeah, the idea it's that it's a, the largest in the entire world it does seem yeah. a bit. Uh, Bob, by the way, Notre Dame's a bunch of jackholes for not letting them use the home tunnel to bring in the drum. I think I'm even. I think this is too much to talk about Purdue. Let's go back to, well, to let the use their freaking drum. <laughs> I, I'm mad both ways. I'm mad that they didn't let the drum in, and I'm also mad that Purdue was mad about them not letting the drum in. So here's the thing. Clemson, back to the point. <laughs> Clemson's offense stinks. Nobody thinks DJ Uyunglele should not be the quarterback at Clemson because they don't have another quarterback at Clemson. But Ryan Day, if Ryan Day didn't want options, he wouldn't have these four quarterbacks here. So I'm – we would imagine that, that Ryan Day likes having options, but what's the point of having options if you don't use any of the options? If you're, like, worried that if you use an option, one of the other options is going to get upset about it. So, you know, again, I, it's not our fault <laughs> that they're not having this conversation at Clemson and we're having it here. It's because there's so many good quarterbacks here. So, Stephen, I just I, – I, I can't – it would go against the entire recruiting strategy to just – Move forward with the guy whose shoulder hurts, who's playing okay. I just don't – because it's a, it's a now issue and a future issue, and I don't think either now or in the future you're sure that C.J. Stroud's the guy. And I think three games in is time to start maybe testing that out. Yeah, we're not allowed to, <laughs> to do the let him develop conversation. That's what, what's taken off the table here. That's what DJ and Bryce get to do when they struggle. DJ throwing one touchdown pass and the camera gets a non-power file opponent. They get to go through the let them develop because this is what you got. With CJ, it, you're allowed to be, I guess, the ruth, this is the ruthless Ryan Day conversation we keep having. He's put himself in a corner where he has to be ruthless. And, and maybe it's CJ, Stroud, CJ, it's CJ Stroud until it's not CJ Stroud, and it's Kyle McCord until it's not Kyle McCord, and it's Quinn Ewers until it's not Quinn Ewers, and on down the line, Jaden Davis until it's not. Because you want to recruit quarterbacks this way, you when you say stuff like at the beginning of the season, like when I pick a starter, that means you're just a starter for this game. That just means you're taking the first snap for this game. You have to mean that now. It just can't be some BS coach talk that you want to say to us at the beginning of the season when you finally announce your quarterback. Oh, Penn State's pick six got called back. Landis, by the way, has not talked, has not said the ruthless Ryan Day conversation. Because I said, ah, Ari and Bill, we used to talk yeah, about stuff. And was... Bill's like, it's not me. Sorry, man. It's Ari. Ari and I like this to throw around words like ruthless. So here's the thing. Here's my strategy. Who likes this strategy? Play McCord. And I'm McCord for now, until I ask my Quinn Ewers question on Tuesday. McCord is my stand-in for the backup quarterbacks. As much as I was alone on Ewers Island saying that Quinn Ewers would be the starter after the bye. I, I don't know if he's at practice. Like, he was on the sideline for Oregon last week. I assume he was on the Oregon. He was on he the was, sideline this week. He was on the, the sideline today. He's not, he is not on the practice, at least for the Minnesota game, he was not he on the travel. travel roster. Yeah, which made sense. Which made sense. He don't need four quarterbacks no. on the road. Unless, well, unless, you know. So, I get it. So, here would be my strategy. I would play the backups against Akron in the first half. I agree with your plan, Nathan, give him at least a look in the fast in the first half and then play him in the second half, but, but play him with a purpose, right? Cause you're really trying to figure something out. And if somebody looks really good and you feel like you want more of them, 
you have the Rutgers game and the Maryland game to play multiple quarterbacks. To win those games playing multiple quarterbacks, because guess why? Because you're freaking Ohio State, and you should be able to beat Rutgers with Nathan Baird at quarterback. So just play them, get a feel for it against Rutgers and Maryland. You don't have you have multiple quarterbacks. Guess what? Treat your quarterbacks against Rutgers and Maryland like you treated your running backs in the Minnesota game, and then you have a bye week, and in that bye week figure out who your starting quarterback is. And if it's still C.J. Stroud, awesome. He should be reinvigorated by reproving himself. And if it's not, then fine. And put your best quarterback on the field for the Indiana game and let that be your guy. Nathan, what do you think? I think you're just in a stretch of the season that started before this game, the Tulsa game, definitely includes Akron. I think you're right. I think it does include the start of Big Ten play, restart of Big Ten play, where you are trying to still assemble the best team for November. I know that that's like a coaching thing that would always get thrown around, but it's just so apparent with this team that they are still in a place where their identity is not set, really on either side of the ball. And I think everything you're saying makes too much sense. I think, if, I think going into a season saying we're going to play two quarterbacks and flipping them back and forth. I've seen, not to mention this school again, but I saw Jeff Brom do that at Purdue. I thought it didn't work. Um, it, it, you're, it's just this wishy-washy flip-flop all the time. I think you do have to eventually commit to somebody, but I think there's also a point at which you can be honest and say, it's still the competition's still going on between these two guys, and we're going to play them both in games. It's close. We don't know for sure which one's better. We're going to play them both and find out which one's better. Let the play dictate which one's better. Because Kyle McCord's not getting pressure tested in games the way C.J. Stroud has not been pressure tested right. for three games. It doesn't have to be flip-flopish. It can just be, you know, getting Kyle a series here or there. It doesn't necessarily have to be, okay, C.J., you're in, and Kyle, you're It doesn't even have to be like two but, to but one. I would it's say, just like get him to enough me, to if – If somebody looks good against Akron, then I would treat that person the same as C.J. I would not then have Kyle McCord get a series here or there while C.J. is still the starter. Then to me it's like – we have two quarterbacks, right? That is, we're not benching CJ, but if McCord or Ewers or Miller really shows you in the Akron game, man, he might be better. Then I want to. Then I want like the a restarting of camp versus Rutgers and Maryland. But would you? Would that be too much, Stephen? In your mind, would that be too much? It would still be clearly CJ is the starter, but work the backup just in some. When you say work him some, like, what are you saying? It's like every fourth series is Kyle's is or every third yeah, series is Kyle's? I guess. I could live with every fourth. I, I think that's fine. But why? Because why Why don't you like my plan of, like, treat Rutgers and Maryland as a continuation like of the full-blown like competition? You, not that you have to go one series, one series, one series, one series, but maybe you start off doing that until somebody gets hot. If somebody has a great series, then he stays. Make it, take it. Right. What, what would does CJ still deserve the benefit of the doubt from April and August that you would not take that away from him and have him down only to equal to the backup before the buy? You would not do that to him. If I'm a, if I'm day, I'm speaking as Ryan day. Yeah. I give CJ that benefit of the doubt because he beat these guys. It's so you, you can't just throw, I understand what he's done in these games, but he beat these guys and earned the right to get out here. Now those guys have earned the right to get an opportunity to challenge him, but I don't know if it needs to start out as equal. I think you beat them. They should 
have to climb their way up to equal. So it should start out like, okay, every fourth series. And if Kyle continues to grow from there, maybe it's every third series. And then you start flipping it. You do things that way. I don't know. I don't think Kyle, just because CJ didn't look good, deserves automatically to be equal to him on the field. One thing that we have to keep in mind is CJ and Jack are the same. And Kyle's a year younger. And Quinn's even younger than that. And so every day... Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers get more experience than they had when C.J. Stroud was declared the starting quarterback. And Kyle McCord might be making up more ground by learning the playbook better and doing more things in practice. That It, it, change, it changes the competition. If sort of C.J. is C.J. and Kyle's inching closer. Okay. I, 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 is there anything One more else? thing, though. Yeah. yeah. One more, ahead, I'll, I'll bring this up. It's, it's not even about C.J. It's more a, a gripe with Ryan. It's this idea of, like, getting these guys to a point. He keeps getting, let's like, get him to the spring. Let's get him to June. I, he's trying to get all four of these guys in December before somebody leaves. And I think the moment you throw whoever, someone's going to play, whoever he throws out there first, somebody is going to leave. Whoever is not the next guy up. What is worse for the quarterback room? Is it in terms like the long-term health of the quarterback room? What is worse? C.J. Stroud is awesome. And those guys are like, well, that's it. I'm never playing here. And they leave. Or C.J. Stroud is, is fine, kind of like he's been, but they keep playing him, and they don't give the other guys a look. And the other guys are like, I would be better than him right now if you played me. I'm so frustrated that I'm not getting my shot. I'm leaving. Which is, which is more likely to have a negative effect. I think the best option is whatever option keeps Quinn here. And I think that option is keeping CJ on this field and him being awesome. Do you think there is a pretty good chance that if they continued to play CJ Stroud and only CJ Stroud this year, that by the end of the season, he'll be awesome? I, if I was 95 before he played, maybe 85 after I saw him, I'm maybe more 55. To me, if you're 55, you've got to play the other guys. If I know, I know. Well, no, no, no. no I, I, am, I, listen, awesome. I am agreeing with you. I am just saying that whatever option keeps Quinn, that's the that's always that's the shining star that we talked we talked about him in this way for months. Whatever option keeps Quinn, that's the option you might have to take if you're thinking about long term here. But but there's never been a discussion that. that- there's a chance that Quinn Ewers leaves before he competes for this job next spring. Anyway, he didn't come here to compete for this job immediately. Anyway, he came here for financial reasons. And when Quinn Ewers came here, it negated in a lot of ways, this other concern that maybe the third guy or whoever in the quarterback decision would leave. If they went into a thing last next week where they put either common court or Jack Miller as the number two guy and really anointed him. And then the, whoever didn't get that thing bolted Quinn Ewers is there as your, your third line of defense like you don't care anymore about that i'm sorry that's yeah. where the ruthlessness comes in except if kyle mccord gets in this game and looks awesome then quinn's out of here that was all why? even before the what why? do you mean why he's only a year younger than but him. you think he would yeah, you but think the- quinn would leave before spring i think quinn would stay to fight in the spring and if he feels like i'm saying yes yes i'm just saying it's, it's if if kyle is is like if Kyle would have won this job from the first place and he gets out here and he's a Heisman Trophy and all those things, and then he wins the job in the spring, Quinn is out of here. If CJ or Jack would have won the job as CJ has now done and they looked awesome this year, and then you're just asking Quinn to sit for a year before that guy goes off to the NFL, he's more likely to do that okay. than with Kyle. 
we have uh, we're we're kind yeah, of in different places here. We're not going to settle this right now. Yeah. We have all week to talk about this. I do think it's a really interesting conversation. I imagine that people are going to get lots of texts uh, about what people think about this, and we will definitely do some surveys with our tech subscribers this week about how they, how they would handle the quarterback situation right now if they were Ryan Day. Six one four three five zero three three one five. If you guys want to take part in that conversation as a tech subscriber this week. I left my power cord in the press box. Steven has it. I'm at 33%. Will I make it through the entire Kerry Combs discussion? We'll find out next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan, Steven, Kerry Combs being demoted is like a huge deal. It is a huge deal. Nathan, I was borderline like shocked when, when, when Ryan Day in the postgame was like, Oh, yeah, Matt Barnes called the plays because I thought the change was Kerry's still calling the plays. They just sent him upstairs so he could call them with a view of the field. And it's like, no, the reason Kerry Combs is upstairs is because he flipped responsibilities with Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes used to be upstairs as the eyes in the sky to help play caller Kerry Combs on the field. Now Kerry Combs was the eyes in the sky helping play caller Matt Barnes on the field. I've always loathe to say things definitively because my memory is so awful but I don't remember an Ohio State coordinator being demoted in the middle of the season in my 17 years doing this and I lived through Nick Siciliano Nathan I I was we all felt like it was a possibility it's a bold move for Ryan Day to make I'm not saying he shouldn't have made it I wasn't sure he would go there he sure as heck sounded pretty mad all week though but I was particularly surprised because given the flip I thought we understood the reason for the flip and we had it exactly wrong. What did you think of the idea of Matt Barnes calling the defensive plays on Saturday? Yeah, I think it did sort of reinforce the disgust that Ryan Day, I don't know what other word to use, but like whatever he was feeling kind of post game last Saturday and then carrying it over into Tuesday. In retrospect, maybe we shouldn't have been this surprised because I think he probably looks at it and says, we have a playoff offense that might've just got, kept out of the playoffs by our defense and something that should have been fixed already. So even, even saying that though, I'm still surprised that they did it this early. He did it this early. I thought like you did, I thought, okay, we knew we, we staked out the press box. We staked out the coach's room before the game, which you don't always do because there's not really any reason to care about it. But we, we had Steven there checking it out and there were other guys and, and, and Barnes is the one that comes up and Combs stays down. And to me, that's what made no, no, sense. No, no, the that, flip, the flip. Com- yeah, Combs yeah, comes yeah, up. Combs comes up. Comes Combs comes up, Barnes stays down. And a cup of coffee. And um, I, I agree with you that it to me that the, what would, what made sense was make that switch, give him a new perspective, and again, give him kind of a low stakes opportunity to try this new approach. That's what I thought that they were doing. Again, turned out not to be as low stakes as we thought because they they weren't able to put Tulsa away regardless until very late. But I, I was I was surprised, and I guess it it, it is another. I don't know. We keep having that ruthlessness conversation, but that's like another uh, another example of it where you pull a trigger. And I think maybe this sort of thing is a little bit more common in the pros. You might dispute that. I, I, I mean, you could tell me if I'm accurate about that because I don't follow the NFL as closely as you do. But I feel like it's uh, you've seen teams maybe pull the trigger on things like that a little bit more in the pros. But you also usually have like bigger staffs with more people milling around. And at Ohio State, you've got like four defensive coaches. So it's just a matter of how you want to jostle them up week to week. But and in the way he talked tonight, it sounds like it's, it's Matt Barnes's gig from here on in. 
and I misspoke previously on this podcast. I said they didn't have anybody else who'd ever called plays before. Matt Barnes did call the defense at, at least part of the year, the whole year at Maryland in 18. I, I've been confused by that too, because it's not like there's a lot of people who cover Maryland and did like good reporting on that, that I've been trying to, to suss out. But I know that at least for part of that year, and it was a very similar circumstance where somebody else retained the defensive coordinator title, but he took over the play calling duties. And I wasn't sure if it was before that season or because he was only special teams coordinator at Maryland. So if it was before that season or if it happened during the season, I, yeah. I, I haven't been able to figure that out for sure. In the end, Steven, what was your, what was your reaction post game when Ryan Day said that? Cause like typical Tim may Tim lay like, Hey, apparently uh, Matt Barnes calling the plays like, of course, I mean, Tim knows it. Nobody else knows. It was like, well, I, and I wondered if there was uh, maybe people out there could tell us if they said something on the broadcast oh, or on the radio they? or whatever. Well, well, I don't know. know. They said the only thing know. they said, like people kept texting us that Paul Rhodes was on the sideline, and I'm pretty sure if you're an analyst, you're not supposed to be on the sideline. But oh well, that's well, it. we don't. I mean, I mean not, they're, oh, well. they're not they're not breaking NCAA rules. We don't know the rules on that. You yeah. can't coach at practice. You like watch yeah. film and design game plans. You can't recruit and you can't coach at practice. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the sideline rules are. There's all sorts of analysts. yahoos down on the field. We will yeah. we will check on that. <laughs> I, I mean like say yahoos. it's I'm not sure like Ohio State work, they, was he in disguise? Was he wearing like I mean no, he was a just, rubber nose and fake glasses. Like okay. So then like, be people, Valentine's situation. <laughs> people would identify like, "Hey, you can't be there." So I'm going to imagine yeah. that he can be there. But also, I don't know that he was ever there before. But what did you think, Stephen, when you heard that from Ryan Day? Very shocked. I mean, I like the decision. I just don't like the execution. I, I'm still under the the umbrella of you. You need to have at least one of your primary pair callers up in the box. You can't have both guys on the field, and that's pretty much they they just change the person calling the plays, but the way they go about it is the exact same. And I don't know if that's a a, a fixes everything. It just gets a new person's ideas down on a note, piece of paper. Well, at this I mean, point. often in the past, Ohio State's had co's on defense. That's part and of, yeah. And one's up, one's down. I mean, when you have co-defensive coordinators, it's always one's yeah. up, one's down. But Which they didn't have co's. They made it very clearly, this, mm-hmm. this is no co. This was Kerry. It was Combs, not co. Right, because even with even with uh, Ryan Day, obviously he's the guy calling the plays. He's the head coach. He's the primary play caller. Kevin Wilson does have an offensive coordinator title, and he's up in the box. Yes, and but even like, when Ryan Day took over as a head co- interim coach, and even after Urban Meyer came back and he was on the field still, Kevin Wilson was up in the box. Yeah, it's it's always one up, one down because it's only one person. They're just down. I don't know if that's a good look to not have a person's eye in the sky. Even if I do agree with the idea that Kerry Combs shouldn't be calling plays. This was an issue with Ed Warner when he was the offensive line coach, and then in 15 he took over as the offensive coordinator and the primary primary play caller. They kept him on the field early, and Tim Beck as the co was up, mm-hmm. and then they put Ed up because they were like, this isn't working. And then they wound up giving Tim – I guess if I say no one's been demoted, Ed Warner was demoted because it was like Ed Warner was calling plays, and then they let Beck call plays for like at least a game, and then we kept – we kept being like, who's calling plays? It's collaborative. It's collaborative. I know, but what if people disagree? Who gets to make the final decision? And Urban's like, oh, I'm on the call. I'm on the headset. I make this. It's like, who's calling the plays? Please, we just... So that was all of 15. Man, that was, let's relive that. Anybody want to relive that? Tim Beck? This is what we've done. This is where we are. We're having Tim Beck comparison conversations. And then it was like, it's like, well, Tim Beck stinks and Ed Warner stinks, and who stinks more and whose fault is it more? That was great. I can't believe they blew that year. At least if they don't win the national title this year, it won't be like blowing 15. 
So I guess in the end, like, I mean, we have to look again some more. They did switch up some stuff. They had a couple moments where they had some good defensive plays where it felt like maybe some um, more whatever sneakiness in their coverage helped set some things up, right. That they weren't so obvious of like single high safety man coverage all the time. They also had times where they did have, you know, trips receivers and man coverage and a little pick led to a huge touchdown. So, and as people kept saying, I mean, it's like, congratulations on changing the defensive play caller and fixing the defense as you surrender like 430 passing yards. So like, (laughs) Yeah. Right? What was it? I can't – I lost my hard box score, so I'm, like, trying to look for the internet box score. I want to say. Now, they got, like, zero rushing yards. Practice. 428 passing yards, 73 rushing yards. They did stop the run today. <laughs> well, I don't but. know. They, they didn't even try the run. Ohio State, 508 yards. Tulsa, 501. <sighs> I don't know. Again, they had to throw the ball 54 times to get those 428 yards, but uh, – there was definitely like they were taking what OSU gave them liberally at times. Yeah. Ohio state turned it over on the CJ. Yeah. They don't, Oh, they, they, yeah. There was one pick, but it was at the end of the game. I mean, people were asking Cam Martinez about, Oh, you're a big play at the end to help, like to help the defense. It's like, it was a meaningless touchdown. All it did was, was kill Tyler Shoemaker's under best bet of the week. <laughs> Tyler Shoemaker, we yeah. miss you on the pod, man. It's, it's our fault you're not on here. He, I, I'm going to make sure people are – T-Shoe has another podcast that he does, and he's just really good at the betting stuff. And so make sure you listen to T-Shoe's podcast. He was saying how like 82% of the texters said take the over, and I think we all took the over. And he was like, the under is my best bet of the week. And it was under all day. And then Cam Martinez danced along the sideline on an interception return where if he had stepped out of bounds and he was four inches from the sidelines, if he had stepped out of bounds, Ohio State would have taken four knees to end the game and it hit the under. Instead, it pushed. The over-under was 61, and it hit 61. And Tyler Shoemaker at the end of the game was tweeting vomit emojis. So that's gambling for you. But he was like, but the under was still the right call. It's like, of course it was the right call. But gambling, what a kick in the nads, man. So I guess this is it. This is the Matt Barnes defense. It wasn't, I think in my, sometimes you're, you're right on it, especially when I'm trying to like have an opinion the second a game ends. And I didn't know how to describe it. I said, I guess the defense had incremental improvement. Is that a fair they gave up 501 yards, but they didn't lose. I don't know what. What Nathan? What's the right progress? <laughs> Incremental improvement. Buckeye talk. Uh, I don't know what. What's let's let's end with this because I'm at 20. percent Nathan, what's your phrase? How would you describe succinctly the defense today compared to last week? They are finding young guys who can do things. We thought at the start of the year, this was going to be the veterans stepping up and hopefully the young guys kind of fill in behind them. And there would be like this more, it would kind of congeal into this congeal is a terrible word to use. It's 1130 at night. It kind of just fuse into this more solid unit. Right. And now I think we're starting to see that the young guys are saying, well, we can't wait for that. And they're just jumping beyond. I mean, Denzel Burke, JT Tumaloa, Tyleek Williams made an impact today. Um, the, Cameron Martinez play, while it didn't have this like game changing impact, was still a, a nice play to see him go on the field and make a play like that. Like they need playmakers on defense. So uh, those guys are stepping up. Zach Harrison didn't play today. We didn't mention that yet, but Zach Harrison not playing today um, was going to. Taraja Mitchell didn't play. Taraja Mitchell didn't play. So you got two starters, two captains out. 
So if you take all of those things into context, I think it's not a step backwards that happened today on defense. That's it's a step the, sideways. I'm Nathan Nair. I think just, it was just sort of like jogging in place. They sat there. They changed their shoes and jogged in place. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, how would you describe the defense today? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they sat there. And they sat there and said, hey, I have an idea. I just don't know how to execute it yet. I think if we're going to keep comparing the 2014 season, I, I don't know if I said this on a pod or I texted it, but this idea of this 2019 class, which we know was a dip in recruiting and it's showing up right now with the, the lack of third-year guys who are playing well, and so you're going to need some of these second-year guys to make up for that the same way we saw in 2014 where some second-year guys were making up for a third-year group that wasn't as good. That happened today. Cameron mm. Martin, forget the pick six. That's not the biggest play he made of the game. The biggest play he made of the game is when he had a pass breakup and Ronnie Hickman picked it off because of yeah. what Cameron Martinez did. Denzel Burke is, I mean, he's only he's a true freshman, but still, he's making plays. Paris Johnson seems fine. He seems really, really good at playing right guard right now. Um, Jackson Smith. Najiba, another second-year guy. You're, Cody Simon, you're seeing second-year guys make up for these lack of third-year guys. So if we want to keep using 2014 as a comparison of what this team might be able to do, that's another check mark of something that's happening that happened that year. I just and there's there's a little part of me too that's wondering like, okay, but it took Cam, it took them this long to get Cameron Martinez on the field this year. Well, not it. Yeah, it's it's about it's not about him. It's about Lathan Ransom, and and, it, and it's the fact that Lathan Ransom is probably. The answer at two spots, and you had Josh Proctor playing free safety, so you put Latham Ransom at cover safety. Josh Proctor's gone. That opens up an opportunity for Cam Martinez if you want to move Latham Ransom back. I'm okay with slow Cam Martinez progress because even after the game today, he was one of the players we got to talk to. And, Steven, you asked him, like, what you mm-hmm. were an offensive guy in high school. Cam Brown was. Denzel Burke was to a great degree. Like, when did it click in for you guys? And Cameron Martinez was kind of like August. Like, yeah. I sort of figured out how to play defense. So – but we all do think, and, and we'll end on this. I'm at 16%. This, this adds like, this is like survive. Now, this is like a game show. It's like 16%. Well, Doug, make it through the podcast. The idea, we all think the idea of now. Lathan Ransom goes back to deep safety. Because as for all the talk of Ryan Watts or somebody else, Bryson Shaw, I think, played like literally every snap today. Lathan Ransom goes back there as an option. And Cam Martinez. Cam Martinez played today because Tulsa was in four wide so often. On mm-hmm. third down, they brought the bullet off and they brought a fourth cover guy on. So he was always on the field with Lathan Ransom. When they aren't, when teams aren't giving you that look, it's an or between Lathan Ransom mm-hmm. and Cam Martinez. And the way it looked today, those are two of your best 11 defensive players. Yeah. So the idea of let's have Brown, Cam Brown, and Denzel Burke outside, and then Seven Banks finally played today. And clearly, they just have not been playing Seven Banks because they haven't been happy with how he practiced. Because this is like the third time today that Ryan Day said today, like, well, he practiced better. Like, this was clearly some kind of – Seven Banks was not earning playing time. So he got on the field as a backup today. If that's your outside corners, Brown and Burke and Banks is their backup. Martinez is your cover safety slash slot corner. Maybe Marcus Williamson can help out there if you need it. And Lathan Ransom goes back and becomes your starting deep safety. If we talked about this enough in the press box. Are we all kind of in agreement that we would, we would suggest to Ohio State that they consider that? 
Yeah, I think it's if, if you've got to play your eleven best guys. Yup. And and today the only reason Cam Martinez got on the field is because they were playing four cover guys at once, and most of the time you're not going to do that because as we talk about the Ohio State, lots of times Ohio State splits four guys out. It's never four receivers. Right, but Tulsa was doing stuff. They weren't only motioning like a back out, right? Like they were putting like four guys. We need to have four cover guys out here. And Martinez was a fourth cover guy. He got it done. Okay. Readcleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Drop the reviews on Apple Podcasts, the Buckeye Talk stuff there. 614-350-3315 for the tech subscription. This is the postgame pod. We appreciate you guys listening. We know it's late, but kind of for the 3.30 games, this is how it's going to go because we got a lot of stuff we have to do at the field uh, before we can get home and podcast. But we always love doing this, and we love that you guys make it part of your Ohio State experience. I texted out to the Texers that this week, given some interesting things that are happening on the Ohio State beat, we think for the Thursday pod it's going to be what it's like to cover Ohio State. And we have extended invitations to a multitude of Ohio State reporters, most of whom have accepted. And we think we'll have a bunch of mini conversations for the Thursday podcast, what it's like to cover this team. And the rest of the time this week, we're going to be saying, what are they going to do, quarterback? Like five hours of that. Five hours of what are they going to do, a quarterback? Sorry. For Steven and Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.